I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. I'm sitting here in the big black leather comfortable papa chair in my living room, and I'm trying to find a doctor, and I think maybe you can help me because a reasonable number of people listen to this podcast right now, and it's very important to me that I find this doctor. The doctor I'm looking for is a smart young guy. I guess you know, doctors are a little different from, from ordinary people. They're not like us. They're different kind of people. They're, if we're homo sapiens, you know, they're homo smartians. And I guess that's one of the reasons that they tend to make more money than we do, too. A lot of people get jealous of doctors because of the money they make, but not me. Boy, I, I couldn't do that job. It's a hard job, and you've got people's lives in your hands. And I've seen plenty of that since my lady wonder wench got hurt. I don't want any part of that. The doctor I'm looking for is a bike rider. Now, I ride a bike, and I think bike riders are tough guys, you know, because we have to be. You know the kind of looks that I get when I pedal around the neighborhood and I'm, I'm wearing my helmet, you know? It looks like a, a hornless Viking hat and my gold lame shorts with purple racing stripes. <laughs> no, I don't actually ride like that. I, I usually wear just like jeans and a t-shirt, but some of the guys really get dressed up, you know? But you know that little bottle that bike riders always carry around? That's not water. We're tough guys. That stuff in the bottle is Gatorade, squeezed from real gators, I'm here to tell you. One of the guys in my bike riding club is a local politician, and he's so tough. You know how tough he is? Hey, his wife has to watch the 6 p.m. news every night just to see if he's coming home. I started riding a bike because I was putting on a little weight, you know. Not enough to have to buy bigger bath towels or sheets or anything, but, but more than I was comfortable carrying around. And the reason is my lady Wonder Wench is a really good cook. While I was cooking for myself, my weight kind of took care of itself, you know, because I could only eat about half of what I cooked, since the other half always got stuck to the bottom of the pan. I don't know why it is. Most guys are not good cooks. I don't know why we're, we're so dumb about cooking. Somebody once told me that it's because guys only use 10% of our brain cells. I guess the other 90% is busy watching the ball game on TV. The doctor I'm looking for is a very decent guy. He's like Dr. Cooperstein, a doctor I go to for my pilot physical. I have a little airplane and every other year I've got to take a physical and Dr. Cooperstein's the guy I go to. I don't know what Dr. Cooperstein's first name is or actually what it was before he became a doctor, because I think when people become doctors, their first names legally change from Joe or Tom or Mary to doctor. And be honest, do you know what your doctor's first name was before he or she became doctor? Bet you don't. Now, when a doctor gives pilot physicals, he is known as a flight surgeon. And that's because they specialize in keeping pilots' physical bodies in almost perfect condition. 
and we pilots cooperate in the process. We know that when we're flying, we have to be able to keep our eyes on dozens of different dials and gauges all at once. And that's where we practice, you know. We, we go to nude beaches. How being a pilot is just work, work, work. You have no idea. Dick's Details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake out the other ear, and you can drift off comfortably to sleep. Now, since we have established that all doctors change their first names to doctor when they get their medical license, it seems like an opportune time to let you know that before he got his own network TV show, the Lone Ranger's name was John Reed. I figure he had to change both names because if he called himself Ranger John, you know, people wouldn't have taken him seriously. He might have had a local kitty show, but not a network show. This is interesting. The McMurdo Station in Antarctica has its own ATM. That's probably where we got the idea of cold cash. And the early missionaries gave Native Americans flannel underwear. They took the position that wearing flannel underwear would promote decency. Which, of course, is uh, became known as the missionary position. Dicks to tails. They take your mind off your mind. We were talking a little while ago about how doctors tend to make quite a bit of money. But when it comes down to making money, doctors are not the, the top guys. Some of the really big money guys are the headhunters, you know? Those are people who find high-paying jobs for people who like to make a lot of money. There's a story about a headhunter in the new personal audio CD called Night Connections 2. The story is called The Headhunter's Woman. A good headhunter is a genuinely dangerous guy. He's deadly. He's a street fighter. And that's you. You find jobs for high-powered executives. You're good at it. Maybe the best. You love it. You love the excitement. You love the challenge. You love the money. The money and the toys, those are the headhunter's trophies. Condo on the beach. A personal jet. Garage full of fancy automobiles. But you're also a nice guy. So you were glad to introduce a friend of yours to exactly the right person to fill an important opening in his company. You didn't take a fee for that one. You made it a birthday present to him. And she was a perfect fit. Right from the first day. Smart. Driven. Well connected. She was so perfect and they worked so well together, as a matter of fact, that they fell in love. That happens. But it made a problem for you and for your wife because you and your wife have known your friend and his wife since you double dated in college when he told you what was happening you were very glad that he was so obviously happy might have been just a little jealous of the passion that his new mistress brought to his life and for some reason you couldn't help feel sorry for his wife as she watched 15 years of marriage melt away in their amazing lust that surprised you, because you never really liked his wife. Maybe she was a little bit too much like you. Headstrong, clever, a little bit ruthless. 
She had an annoying habit of blowing loose strands of hair out of her eyes with a quick jet of breath. She did that because she didn't have time to do it with her hands. They were always busy doing something else. On a summer night that started out innocently enough, you and your wife invited her to dinner at your beach house. They were friends. You felt a little bit out of place. After all, you were the one who introduced her husband to the woman who became his mistress. So after dinner, you decided to leave the women to talk things over. And you went for a walk by the ocean. It was a soft summer night. The tide was out, and there was an almost full moon. You built a bonfire. You kicked off your shoes and lay down and just stretched out on the sand. It was the first time in a long time that you just let go. You started thinking about your own marriage. It was mostly okay, except for the affair that your wife had for about six months with her boss. You almost lost her. But when he tried to get her to leave you, she told you about it instead. Naturally, you were angry because she had slept with another man. But you're also relieved because she told you about it. You were kind of proud because she chose you over him. You both decided to be intelligent about it, to use your heads to put things back together again. But it never completely worked out. Things were always just a little off-center ever since then. Like a day that starts out in a strange town with the wrong radio station on your clock alarm. You knew she was there before you saw her. You could feel her watching you as she walked toward you carrying her high-heeled shoes and swinging her hips in that smooth, confident way that you found almost insulting. She said, your wife has gone to bed and I wanted to thank you for dinner and your hospitality before I go. The ocean breeze was playing in her long, soft, loose-fitting, simple dark blue dress, lifting it in quick little puffs, silhouetting quick glimpses of her body's slopes and curves against the firelight. She was smiling that irritating smile of hers. She had startlingly white teeth and soft, muscular lips that obviously had a challenge about them. But the biggest challenge was in her eyes. It was almost an animal challenge, and it, it bothered you. That self-confident boldness in her eyes. And then the firelight did a curious thing. It caught in her eyes for just a moment a hurt, frightened little girl inside that proud, angry, self-disciplined woman. And when that happened, suddenly your hunter's instincts kicked in and everything went into a kind of a slow motion. All of your senses magnified the things around you and you caught a trace of her perfume in the ocean air and the sand became satin soft. The ocean was a rumble somewhere in the dark, and her voice was making small half-words only fingertips away. Her skin looked cool, but her eyes were warm and shining in the firelight, and moist around the edges as if she were sweating inside. 
You're a bright guy. You're headstrong, you're ruthless. You're a dangerous hunter. And you understand this deadly game. It could cost you your home, your marriage, all the things you love, all the trophies of an entire lifetime's hunting. But her lips were soft and muscular in the summer night. And her eyes flashed an animal challenge in the firelight. And most important, a hurt little girl looked up from your arms and smiled. And in the end, the heart is still the deadliest hunter of them all. goes to. I found that in any contest between love and logic, or even just lust and logic, logic is always in big trouble. That story's from the new Night Connections 2 personal audio CD. It's called The Headhunter's Woman. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast, or if you want a fresh copy, just go to DickSummer.com, download it from the icon that's right there on the first page. I really am looking for a doctor, and I really am hoping that you can help me. Quite a few people download this podcast now, either from DickSummer.com or from iTunes or from some other place. And I really need to find this guy. So if you know somebody who fits this description, please send me an email. The address is dick at DickSummer.com. This guy didn't give his name. He just told some of my friends that he was an emergency room doctor. And here's the description that my friends gave me. They said he's a young guy who happened to be riding his bike past the scene of an accident a few months ago. He jumped off his bike. He ran over to a Louie Louie generation woman who was lying motionless on the ground and she was unconscious. And in fact, she had no heartbeat. And he managed to get her heart started again. And he saw to it that nobody moved her because he knew her neck was broken. And he used his cell phone to call an ambulance. And he stayed with her until she was safely on her way to a nearby trauma center in the ambulance. And then he got back in his bike and he, he just rode away. And I need to find that doctor and thank him. Because the woman whose life he saved was my wife, my lady wonder wench. <laughs> Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. 
much better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.